enjoying the Indian summer that we've been having in these parts. It's a beautiful, beautiful time of the year. It's a time to reflect and time to think, time to think about the Lord who you know, put on the, such a pageantry, you know, of autumn. It's going to get colorful. Where we live in this little place we call a farm, it's not really a farm, it's two acres and a little tiny house on these two acres, but we're surrounded by trees, and so they're all in the first blush of autumn. Took a walk this morning and just brings me to tears to be able to live in such a beautiful place, you know? And uh, so we're all, we're all really grateful that. Out in our place, we call it Bittersweet Farm. And we have this saying, you know, every day is a beautiful day on Bittersweet Farm, which it really is. And a Friday was my day off. And Friday, on a perfect day off in the fall, I get to decide, I have a big decision to make, which of the porches am I going to sit on <laughs> when I read and write after I get my list of duties done to make the household run right. And, uh, and uh, I got up in the morning on Friday thinking about that, and I thought, other than having a really plum a bad plumbing problem, which is making the hardwood floors in the kitchen curl up, um, so I thought maybe I should look under the house and when I pulled the plug out from underneath the crawl space, it was like a sauna of hot air came out and there was a hot water leak. And I'm really good at fixing things. I think I mentioned that last week, didn't I? <laughs> so guess what I spent all Friday doing? I have a plumber son who in the providence of God lives in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> Preacher's sons live nearby. They're worthless, but the, they're not. I love them. But uh, they're useful in a different way. So anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm making a point here. I know it doesn't seem like it. I'm, a, I'm under the house, and I'm wrestling with this all day long, and it's definitely a weakness of mine. And by the end of the entire day, it takes me literally all day long. It, it's kind of humorous. I got it all figured out, got it all put together. The very last thing I needed to do was kind of reach blindly in and cut away an old line and I couldn't see it. I kind of reached in blindly and kind of felt around and cut it. And then cold water started spraying out everywhere. And so I thought, I probably cut the wrong line there. So I just laughed. And, uh, and so, because, you know, every day out on Bittersweet Farm, every day is a beautiful day. But some days are more beautiful than others. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Friday was not as beautiful as some of the other days. And it occurred to me as I was thinking about that, you know, it's just like our world. It is such a beautiful world. It's created by God. 
and turning the seasons, the colors, all the things that he does. It's, uh, it is the handiwork of God. But even at its very best, it's broken. It's fallen. It, it isn't operating the way God originally designed for it to operate. And the amazing thing about that is a broken world, a fallen world, a cursed world is the best world to display the power of God. That may not make sense to you right now. It's the way God designed it to be. He, God allowed this, that the fallen world, that the broken world is the best place for the display of the beauty and, and of the power of God. I like to take a positive view of things. I like to think of myself as a positive thinker. Now, my, I think it's only, you know, realistic for Christians to be positive, you know, because things are going to end well someday for us. My son Chuck isn't so sure about that. He told me one day, he says, Dad, someday you are going to fall out of the Pollyanna tree and you are going to hurt yourself really bad. I think that's so funny. You know, the Pollyanna, the girl that comes to town and everybody starts, you know, being happy and she falls out of a tree at one point. Anyway, maybe Friday I fell out of the Pollyanna tree and landed in a pile of plumbing, you know, apparatus, but uh, still was a place where God can display his power. Got to the end of the day, got it all done, got it done right, called Lois in. I said, what do you think? She looked at me with her pretty eyes and she said, thank you. Oh, well, that's good. It was a good day. And uh, how about you? You have any weaknesses? We'll talk about your weaknesses. Let's say, let's say, here, I have three points on my message. Number one is you are weak. We're weak. That's what the scriptures really say. Think about the areas where you have weakness. Think about the areas where you are, are powerless. And have you ever been frustrated by this? That we live in a world that the people that have power usually take advantage of the people who don't have power. Do you ever feel that way? The people that have authority tend to take advantage of people that don't have authority. This, this can be a tendency. The people that have stuff tend to take advantage of the people who don't have stuff. Have you ever been like, felt like the person who doesn't have stuff or the person who is powerless or somebody has more power than you? I've been there a few times in my life. It's not a good feeling. And, and when I think about our congregation and I, you know, and I pray for you, I think about all the different areas of weakness that we have. I mean, like an example to me would be, you know, the, the young and the old are weak. You know, the young, the really young are depending on people that are bigger and older. And, and if you're young, then the people could take advantage of you and sometimes do. Those of us that are older, you know, we have our own unique problems. We, we aren't as strong as we used to be. We're not as sharp as we used to be. Sometimes the memory slips. Sometimes, and, and, and sometimes that's really funny. And then after a while, it gets for some of us like, it's not funny anymore. It's a very serious trial for some. When, the, when you can kind of tell my mind's not working quite like it used to, that can really drag you down into the hole, you know. And so that's a weakness. And sometimes with that aging, you know, we made our income when we were younger, and then there was this inflation, and so the money that we're living on now isn't really a lot of money. And we wonder, you know, is my money going to last? I don't have is the resources. And I know some of our people have really challenges in terms of resources. And without going into detail, there are people among us that they really have to watch their, their pennies very, very closely. And that is something that hangs over your head all the time. Those bills, they just keep coming in. It's like our household's hemorrhaging money. And, you know, and what do we do? That's a sense, we have a weakness there. Maybe, maybe you're like I am, that in your lifetime you've wrestled with habits that you really wish you didn't have. And you feel sometimes like you're powerless to overcome these habits. Is that true? 
And, and, and even among Christians, you know, there can be the whole addiction thing. And maybe there's a sense in which all of us wrestle with some addictions sometime, but some of us, that addiction thing is just kind of a big piece of our life. There's a weakness in that area of, of addiction. Or if I said to you, are there habits that you have that you would really like to stop? And you were honest, you would say, well, yes. And then you'd say, but I don't really feel, you know, I kind of feel weak, like I've tried and failed. And then there are family pressures that really touch all of us. And there are crises, you know, that you, you, you're not having one now, you're going to have in the future. And then there, you know, when you have, like our household was 10 at one time. It's just a lot of human beings living under one roof. That's a lot of drama, people. 10 people in one house is a lot of drama, even if only half of them are girls. Because, you know, boys, they never have any drama. They just have ego, and that's not a problem. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you're here and you're a college student. I remember when I was a college student, you know, now that I'm looked back, I would think, oh, that would be so cool. All I have to do is go to class, you know, knock out the stuff on that syllabus. But I remember at the time thinking, this is the hardest thing. If I could ever make it through this, there were financial pressures. There was like, is Lois going to like me? That hung over my head for a long time. You know, there's some serious stuff. And if you don't think that was a big deal, that was a big deal. And all the time you're supposed to study and make enough money to pay your bills and you're supposed to pass your grades, and if you don't, you know, your life is gonna spiral down with a plane with one wing shot off. There's a lot of pressure on students. If you're a mom, it's, you know, being a mom is not easy. I listen a lot to, you know, we don't have the young ones in the house anymore, but I listen a lot to young people who have little people, and I always wanna give them this speech like, you're gonna miss this, and they always look at me like they wanna hurt me when I say that. I'm like, why? I'm just a nice old guy. Why do you look at me like you want to hurt me? And it's because they're a little bit sleep deprived, you know? And so because they haven't slept for like, what, six years? They're a little testy, you know? So I don't know what the problem is. With, with me, I just, I had a system. I said, here's a baby, Lois, make it sleep. And then I just went to sleep and I sleep real deeply. And then I would wake up in the morning and I'm like, what's the problem with this? I see no problem, but not everybody's like that. Not everybody's blessed with the ability to sleep through a thunderstorm like me. And so there are young, and, and, so, and, and this is a major thing that I'm talking, I mean, I'm listening, I'm hearing, I'm praying for the congregation. And one of the things I notice is that the older people have special weaknesses and special problems that are very real to them. And the younger people don't, you know, you look at the young people think, man, they're young and strong, but like they're not sleeping or they feel pressures. And then once the kids are raised, they're out of the house, they're making decisions that may or may not be good for them. And then you're staying awake at night and you're praying about that. Like all of this is an expression of what we're talking about here, weakness. Even Paul felt this in the text that we're gonna look at today, which is so powerful and so useful. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse seven, we're cutting into the middle of something where Paul is confessing his weakness. And he's giving a list of things where he's weak. It's interesting. Um, in, 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 in the, it's in verse 10 he says uh, for the sake of Christ I'm content with weakness insult, hardship, persecution, calamity this is, I know this is doing violence here, we're just jumping right in the middle of the text I'm going to back up and explain more in a minute, but just like look at that list this was Paul's list right now he's feeling this, he's feeling here, here's the list, weakness insults hardships, persecutions calamities this is the list now, we know that this man, he, we, we read the travel narrative of his life in the book of Acts, and we can see that he went through incredible hardships, and that he, he and we, we, happen to, we know from Christian history that he actually died the death of a martyr 
he had a list of weaknesses, of difficulties. And so do you look at that list, look at weaknesses that would include sickness, disease, or just physical weakness, or infirmities, or aging, or arthritis, or gout, or whatever it is that plagues you, that you get the, you know, that you have a, one of our men, who I will not name, had, was telling me about, he, he has in his wallet a, a little fold-up piece of paper, a list of all the medications that he takes, you know. I was like, I'm not, not a really old guy, you know. I mean, not that old. And, and he had that big list of, and, and this is a part of the weaknesses that we have. What you have to have medication for, what you're wrestling against, and the doctor gives you that dire, you know, kind of prediction. Like, Damn, you keep doing that, you know, this might what's going to happen. And that hangs over it. So Paul had some of this insults. There are people that say things to us that hurt us. Sometimes unintentionally, but they hurt us really bad. But other times intentionally. This is a, a factor of our weakness. And then there's hardships like the necessities of life or like pressures or like plumbing or like electric. And the cars, they don't, you know, they don't sell you a car and it works forever. It's going to break down. I mean, after all, people have to have jobs making cars, you know, so they make them so that they break down so they can make you another one. And, you know, it keeps the economy rolling. No pun intended. How is that, Leo? A pun. See what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sitting under Leo's teaching on the puns, and I'm just kind of in kindergarten right now, so you have to bear with me. Um, so this is a, that when you go out and the car doesn't start, you're like, oh, I don't need that. I owe taxes. The kids are doing that. My wife misunderstood me, and now my car won't start. And you, are you with me on this? And you just feel like sometimes, man, weaknesses is what he describes. It's hardships. Then he talks about hardships or the necessity of life or persecutions. When people are tracking you down, stalking you, either they misunderstand you or they actually want to hurt you. And then there are calamities, as he lists here in his list, are like disasters that come. So on top of all that other stuff, you don't know if there's going to be a tornado or a flood or a hurricane or a, an ice storm or the, the power goes out and all your stuff is ruined. And you have these, may, about the time you think you got your stuff put together, you can't sell your house that you really needed to sell and you wonder if you're going to be able to get for it what you put into it and, that, and it keeps you awake at night. Is anybody with me here? Yeah, you're all with me, aren't you? Why? Because we are weak. We are weak. I want to tell you this though. This is true though. You, you, you may be weak, but if you're a child of God, you are loved. As a matter of fact, let's go back to Sunday school. Think about that. Jesus loves me. Why don't you sing that with me? Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but well, well done back there, by the way, on the computer. He's strong. We learned when we were in, there was a lot of truth to that. What were they teaching us when they said, Jesus loves me, this I know. We are weak, but he is strong. They were teaching us a truth about God that we needed to know all our lives. He is omnipotent. He is all powerful. We are weak, but he is strong. This is not just a series of talks about the attributes of God. They're talks about why the attributes of God should thrill my heart because I am weak, but he is strong. Let me talk about how strong he is just for a minute. If you like the Bible, you're going to like this part of my message. Job 9, 4. His power is vast. 
Psalm 24, 8. He is the Lord strong and mighty. Isaiah 1, 24. Don't even try to write this down. The Lord Almighty, the mighty one of Israel. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but you bring punishment for the father's sins into the laps of their children after them. O great and powerful God, whose name is Lord Almighty. Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. That was Jeremiah 32. Creation is a testimony to his great power and mighty strength, Isaiah 40 and verse 26. He is Lord, owner, ruler, king of all creation. Who can resist his power? He is the Lord God Almighty, the blessed and only ruler, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, 1, Kings 6, or 1 Timothy 6. Nothing is too difficult for him. All things are within his power. Gabriel says to Mary, nothing is impossible with God. After comparing the difficulty of the rich man going to heaven with a camel passing through the eye of the needle, Jesus says, with men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You are weak. He is infinitely strong. He is in, in, his, his, his omnipotent, infinitely strong. And so it says in Psalm 115, verse 3, but our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth and in the seas and in the deep. Psalm 135 and verse 6, Isaiah 14, 27 says, the Lord of hosts his plan and who can frustrate it? As for his stretched out hand, who can turn it back? Declaring the end from the beginning from the ancient times things which have been done saying my purpose will be established and I will accomplish all my good pleasure that's Isaiah 46 and verse 10 there is nothing that he cannot do God is all powerful all over the Bible it says this then Job replies to the Lord I love this one I know that you can do all things and no plan of yours can be thwarted Job says to God Daniel 4.35, there's a book, right? Daniel, all the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven among the inhabitants of earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say, what have you done? In Jeremiah 32.17, O sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, and nothing is too hard for you. Now there is a barrage of scripture all throughout the scripture that prove that, that state that there's nothing that God cannot do. Let's establish two truths right now. You are, and he is. Now you might want to keep that in mind today. Now that is not the end of the story. If it was the end of the story, that would be very troubling, but it's not. God has chosen through Christ to take our weakness to display his strength. God wants your weakness. This is my third point today. Through Christ, we can experience the power of God in our weakness. Now let's look at the rest of the text. Paul in this text, he's talking about a personal weakness that he doesn't name. And this is a great mercy because then we can just tuck in our weakness wherever he says whatever that thing he calls what? You remember this text? Thorn in the flesh. You've read it before. And so we're reading this where he's saying now because he had an abundance of revelations, one of Paul's weaknesses was because he had so many spiritual privileges and enlightenments, it would be easy for him to say at the pastor's meeting, well, have you been to the third heaven? I have. Maybe you should sit down and listen to me for a while. 
And he said, so that I wouldn't be exalted because of an abundance of revelations, God, or Satan, gave me, there was a thorn in the flesh. I'm sorry, let's read the text. This is verse seven. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh. It's called a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. We don't know how he knew that, but this was his take on it, made its way into holy writ. He says, this is what God was doing so that I wouldn't be lifted up because I had been given these revelations. He allowed me to have a thorn in the flesh so that I wouldn't be conceited. I didn't tell you this, Lois, but when I told my mother about our plumbing problem, here's what she said. I thought it was kind of humorous. My mom says this, what do you think God is trying to teach you? I'm like, mom, I just need a little sympathy right now, you know? I laughed, I'm like, I was driving along thinking, no, maybe he's trying to teach me something. I'm like, maybe there's a plumber in the church that needs some work, you know, maybe that's what it is, I don't know. That's, but this is the way Paul was thinking, that's the way we should think. Well, is God trying to teach me something here? What does he want me to learn? And in this case, Paul came to the conclusion that this thorn of the flesh, whatever it was, this physical problem or malady or difficulty, whatever it was that he considered a thorn of, in the flesh that was given him, this thing that, that he prayed for God to take away and God didn't take away, whatever it was, he decided God is good, all-powerful, at work in my life, allowing this to happen so that I will be humbled. That was his conclusion. And notice what he says in verse 8. I, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. I think it's interesting. Three times. Hmm. Three times... I pleaded with the Lord that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses that the power of Christ would rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insult, hardship, persecution, calamities. Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Now, there's a powerful, powerful biblical truth in this. Let me express it this way. When you begin to understand your deep needs, like we listed at the beginning and all the ones you were thinking about when I was talking, when we begin to think about our deep needs, and we should think about them, whatever they are, our weaknesses, our liabilities, our temptations, our disposition to depression, or our, you know, our, our being like, un, uh, like uncannily sunny about everything when I should, or whatever it is, when I think about my deep needs, when you think about your deep needs in the light of God's great power, his great fullness, and how through Christ our needs can draw us to God, then we're gonna know God by heart in a deeper way than we've ever known him before. Weakness is a part of God's plan in this universe. God is doing something, and we know that this is what he's doing, he wants to take uh, have, give us a consciousness of our weakness and his power so that we will seek Jesus Christ strengthening us, displaying the power of God in our weakness. So we just don't want, so that the natural man wants to go around and find people to impress with our strength. The natural man, the natural man wants to go around and say, well, here's what I'm good at. In the natural, that's a pretty good idea. But if you want the dynamic of God working in your life and giving you spiritual power and empowerment, then you have to take him your weakness, not try to impress him with your strength. Now you're like, everybody's on board now, right? 
because you're like, yeah, that's me. I'm dealing with a thing in my life I didn't think I'd ever have to deal with. I'm dealing with a thing in our marriage that just like, I can't figure it out. I'm dealing with a thing in my health that's just like beyond me that, that I, I can't do anything about. Like, okay, now you have a thorn in the flesh, a weakness that you can give to God through Christ and Christ in that weakness can display his power, his glory, his strength. The Bible promises in Ephesians, it, it, his, by his mighty power at work in us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could ever ask or hope. By his power working in us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we could even ask or hope. Listen, listen carefully. Here's the deal. Whatever it is God wants you to do, he can empower you to do no matter how weak you are. This is what the Bible doesn't just say, you're weak and he's strong. The Bible says you're weak, he's strong, and he can give you his power through Christ. You acknowledge your weakness and never stop seeking his power. We can show you how to do that to some degree, but just right now to establish that this is what the Bible teaches. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, my power is made perfect in weakness, Jesus says to Paul, therefore I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so the power of Christ may rest upon me. And in an uncanny way, he's telling us a source of unexpected gladness and joy. And that is go around, look for an area where you're weak, let God show his strength in that area and it will give your heart joy. I will boast in that. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? How to have the power of God in your life, but it's true. Now, just this little thing right here, it's just interesting that this, who did this come from? This thorn in the flesh, who did it come from? Let's look at the text in verse seven and let's ask, who did this come from? So keep, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of, of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. Because I know Satan is sitting around all the time going, Paul's getting proud, let's not let that happen. I'm being sarcastic. Satan has no interest in Paul's sanctification. Satan isn't trying to help Paul become humble. Satan is messing with him, but God, but God obviously is implied here. God is at work in a, well, this is what, this is what you know, this, the scriptures call, an, or that theologians call an overruling providence. That God is at work in an overruling providence. Like, yes, you have that in your life and that person that slandered you put it there or that person that hurt you or abused you or sexually abused you or abandoned you or divorced you or, or stole from you. Yes, that was demonic. Yes, that was evil. But God, God allowed it for your good. This was a, an overruling providence. And this is what, Paul had a sophisticated view of this. He saw that, he got it. He saw this is the Satan, and this isn't, but God is using it. This will help you understand the world that you live in. Bad things come in the world, but God is able in an overruling providence to take the worst thing that ever happened to you and turn it into the best thing that ever happened to you. Like the guy in the church many years ago whose wife divorced him because he was a pain. He was a bad dude, but he kicked his dog, he killed his dog, he was angry, he was bitter, he was drunken. Finally, his wife gave up and she just divorced him. Was that good or bad? Depends on if you're her or him, right? <laughs> it's good for her. No, 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 that's not where I was going. He got saved then. 
Then he would sit on the front row every week and just weep, sad, hard, you know. And I said, and he goes, my wife, she divorced me. And one day I just said to him, if she hadn't done that, would you ever have gotten saved? He goes, no. Like, well, hmm. Did God want your wife to divorce you? I wouldn't say that. I would say this. God used it, that terrible thing. You're saved. And once eternity begins, the burden of sin and the presence of sin lifted off of your shoulder, you live forever in the presence of God. And if your wife is a believer, you'll have that unity that you always wanted with her in the Lord as a sister in Christ in heaven. How wonderful is that, you know? What am I telling you? Your weakness, you ought to go looking for weaknesses and admitting them and then inviting God into your weakness and, and glorying, you know, like, like, like rejoicing in them, boasting. That's what Paul put it. He said, gladly I will boast in my weaknesses because then I have a place where God can display his power through Christ. And practically what that looks like is, right, you would admit your weaknesses readily, freely. Okay, I, I, this is a weakness. This is a weakness. This is where I need you, God. And then you would rehearse God's power and you're powerful. You know, I'm undisciplined, but God, you're perfect discipline. I don't have self-control, but you have perfect self-control. I let a word slip. You never let an evil word slip. I'm not honest. You're perfectly honest. God, how can I have some of your perfect honesty? He says, my son, Jesus. And this isn't just you get saved. It's you get saved and you keep looking to his righteousness and you keep obeying with Jesus' righteousness in mind until it becomes habitual through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be strong through uh, you can display God's strength in your life through Christ, but you have to first acknowledge your weakness. It's good for people sometimes to be to have an acknowledgement of their weakness. There's a guy that I know who's a very powerful preacher, an anointed preacher, and the use of the Lord, and his name was Les. And I always noticed this guy. When I was really young, I would hear him. I would always try to find his. Back then, you had to actually go get physical tapes to listen to people. You could have just logged on your device. You had to go, you had to, get, that's why I would, there was a place I could get tapes that didn't cost anything, and that was good because I didn't have any money, so I got these free tapes, and he was on these tapes, and I would drive and listen to this guy, and he had the power of God in his life. He was, this is a Michigan story. I love a good Michigan story, don't you? He was from the UP up in Houghton, and, and, he, and he was a logger, and a rough and tumble guy, and far from God, and, a, and an unlikely guy to ever come to know God. But then there was a pastor up there in the UP that took a special interest in Les. And he led him to the Lord. And then there was a revival meeting, and he had a terrible speech impediment. Everybody who knew him knew he could really not speak very well. And there was a revival meeting one night, and Les Olala goes forward in the revival meeting, and his pastor's like, praise the Lord, Les, why are you here? And Les says, because the Lord's called me into the ministry. And the pastor's like, are you sure? But he went on to become a powerful pastor, a youth pastor at first over in Detroit area, and then he went with the Life Action Ministries, he was powerful, used the Lord in that ministry, and then he became a college president, and then became a seminary president, and the seminary like tripled under his leadership, and today he still has a powerful ministry. What is his main thing that God uses? His speech. And what would be his main weakness? His speech. Think about Moses in the Bible. Now you've got something to think about right there. You know, we tend to go to the world. Hey, I have a strength to offer. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know, but I want your weakness. It's like Friday. Hey, God, is there some place I can go and preach in a school chapel today instead of doing plumbing? 
He's like, no, I want you to display my glory in your plumbing. I'm like, I don't get it. And so I pleaded with the Lord three times. And I also called some of you and you didn't answer. Like one guy, I texted him, like, and he texted back, I don't know who this is. I'm like, yeah, I, I see how that works. I'm like, I have a plumbing problem. I don't even know who you are. You know, that's the way. I'm like, yeah, I don't know who you are when, you know, you. Anyway, so I'm like, but I have a plumber son. I called him. He walks me through it. I'm not sure what God was doing Friday. I mean, I know it wasn't, you know, it was a lame sermon illustration. It wouldn't have been for that. What, was he wanting me to stop and call out to him? Was he wanting me to show my love to my girl? Was he wanting me to appreciate plumbers and the work that they do and how hard it is? I don't know. But I know that when I give him my weakness, he can give me his power. He can do that for you too. There's a guy named John. He was slow of speech. He was a slow reader. This guy, John, to this day, he's done everything he can to speed up his reading. He was actually trained to be a college professor and he studied in Germany. And he came back and he was hired at a college, but he couldn't stay out ahead of the reading because it would require a really fast reading speed. So he took all kinds of remedial courses to speed up his reading speed, but he never could. To this day, he can't. But what's interesting is that I literally have a shelf of books this wide that this guy who reads slow has written. And he says the reason that he believes God has not allowed him to read fast is because he believes God led him to just really slowly understand things to be able to explain them to other people. And that's, this guy's name is John Piper. He's powerfully used of God literally all over the world. But he, he would be among the slowest readers that would be in the room right now. You would never know that from reading his things. God shares his power with us. If we will seek it, God can give power. You know in the Bible he can withhold power. And just a passage, and then I want to move to the close. Having eyes of our hearts enlightened, Paul is writing now in another section of the Bible in a prayer in Ephesians. Listen to the, listen, tune your ears to listen to does God promise common people his power through Jesus? Listen to this. Having the eyes of our hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope, this is a prayer of Paul, what is the hope to which he has called you and the riches of the glory of the inheritance of the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power to those of us who believe according to the great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. God says, I want you to see how much power I have. I will raise my son Jesus from the dead so that if you have trouble with your diet, you know that you have the power to do that. Or you have a p trouble with a habit, you know you have the power. If I can raise the dead, I can help you with your budget. If I can raise the dead, I can help you love your wife while she's losing her memory. If I can raise the dead, I can help with that old Buick that only runs when it wants to because I can raise the dead. It's that beautiful. Far above all authority and power and dominion, we're strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, Ephesians 3 says, according to the power that works in us, he's able in Philippians it says to subdue all things to himself. What do you need God's power for? Don't give up. Talked to a girl this week. She said, why would God let this happen to me? I, I don't know why he would let that happen. It seems like it happens over and over again. Why does it happen to me? 
I, I got off the phone, and in my heart I said, keep clinging to God. I don't know what he's doing, but I know that he can do whatever he wants to do, whatever it is. I, this summer, we went to Nashville, and we heard a speaker, a young woman named Jackie Hill Perry, at this conference in Nashville this summer. She's written a book with a provocative title, Gay Girl, Good God. Gay Girl, Good God. Here's what she says in the book. I used to be a lesbian. Jackie grew up with a fatherless home and experienced gender confusion, and she abused marijuana, and she loved pornography, and she embraced masculinity and homosexuality with every fiber of her being. She knew that Christians had a lot to say about the list of things that she did, but she couldn't change herself. How was she supposed to stop loving women when homosexuality felt more natural to her than heterosexuality felt to her? But at the age of 19, she came face to face with what it meant to be made new. And God broke in and turned her heart toward him. Right there in her own bedroom with the gospel, she experienced the power of God. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's a Christian speaker. Even with this terrible difficulty and confusion in her past, she experienced the power of God. And you can too. When I was in the previous church, I noticed that we had some boys that didn't have dads. And my heart went out to them because I thought how many times my dad taught me things and kept me out of trouble. And if I ever get in trouble, even to this day, I could call my dad and he would have counsel for me. He'd probably just come over and these boys didn't have dads. So I got to thinking, I went out and I bought the most expensive steaks I could find. And I bought silk pie and I bought uh, all kinds of really nice food and drink. And I, and I made a steak dinner for these boys. And then I grilled these steaks on the grill, and I invited all these boys over to be around my table there on our patio. And then we had those steaks, and then we fed them all that food. And we got all done. We leaned back to the table. And then I said, um, I want to tell you why I invited you over today. And they were real quiet, just looked at me. I said, I invited you over today because you don't have a dad. And I kind of felt bad for you. I thought, if I didn't have a dad, I don't know what I would do. You know, who do I call when I don't have a dad? I said, on my phone, I have a database of the entire church, 700 members. I said, there's people that can do anything. And you don't have to know them. You just have to know me. If you ever get to the point in your life where you go, I don't know what to do. All you got to do is got to know my phone number because I got all these people behind me. I don't know how to do anything, but they know how to do everything. All you have to do is call me. I'll connect you up with somebody that can help you. Okay? I said, okay. Paul Dixon was the president of the Cedarville University, Cedarville College at the time. The students there at Cedarville, they said that while he was the president, he had a thing he would do. At graduation, he would say, you are now a graduate of Cedarville College. And from now on, if you ever need anything, you call me. If you're ever stuck, if you need something, call me. I'll help you. He said, if you ever get in the point in your life where you just go, I don't know who to call or what to do. He just said, call me on the phone. He said, one day, there was a kid, student, locked himself out of his car. He didn't know what to do. He calls 
Paul Dixon, the president of the university, he goes, I hate to tell you this, but I remember how you said, if you are ever in a position where you don't know what to do, call me. He says, I'm locked out of my car. I said, oh, who to call? He goes, what city are you in? He says, hold on. A couple, just a little while later, a locksmith shows up and, get, you know, so that, the, that the, the president had connections with. I know you're sitting there thinking, wow, that'd be cool if you had that kind of connections. Well, you do have a connection with a God who has no limits in his power. And you might want to keep in mind, when you begin to understand your deep needs in the light of God's great fullness and how through Christ our needs draw us into God, then you'll begin to know God by heart. I'm going to pray here in a moment. And we're going to be dismissed. But God has been kind to us here in the church. He's been sending us folk. And today, before we go home, we have the privilege of formally welcoming Steve and Carolyn Wallenwine into the membership of our church. Now, they've come to us. They've been attending. They've, they know our church. They know our people. They've been attending for quite some time. They have been, they've applied for a membership. They've been interviewed by elders, and our elders recommend them uh, to be members. Steve and Carolyn, I want to, if you raise your hand back, they're back here on my left. Look back there, just crane your neck around like you're not supposed to do that. So if you don't know them already, go say hi to them because if the Lord's in this, they're going to be members of our church. So the elders have recommended to us that we receive them into our membership. Those in favor of this signified by saying amen. Amen. If you're opposed, another sign. So praise the Lord for that. Would you stand with me? We're going to pray and be on our way home today. Lord, I want to thank you for sending Steve and Carolyn to our church. I pray that we'd be good for them and they'd be good for us. Lord, like all of us, they have burdens and they have uh, uh, areas of their life where they need the power of God. And I pray that you'd show your power in that. Every one of us has weaknesses. Help us this week to lean into our weakness, see your great strength, trust Jesus Christ to display the power of God in our weaknesses. And Lord, um, I also pray that if there are any who are here who are in need of prayer, and they'd like somebody just to pray with them before they, they go, that Lord, they'd come, they'd come forward and meet here with the prayer team instead of going away. Keep us mindful, I pray, of our great weakness this week and your great strength and Jesus' great mercy. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you.